Episode 99 of the Biv and James Isle Show. A few key points. Radio team, welcome along to episode 99, Agent 99 of the Biv and James Oz Show, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of exercise so that you can get all the benefits that come alongside it. Well, I've got to say, it's been a very exciting time in my life for the last couple of weeks. I, I now have myself a wife, <laughs> my lovely partner Joe. We got married about, about nine days ago now in, in Christchurch on the 11th of February and it was a very... It was a pretty cool time, I have to admit, you know, like, you, you know, I've never been married before, so it was the first time for me, and um, you kind of hope your wedding's going to be something, I suppose, you know, admittedly, Joe did do pretty much all the work in the planning of the wedding, she's a bit of a rock star in that area, and, um, but you know, you, you kind of, you kind of want your wedding to be something, don't you, you kind of want it to represent who you are, and, and what you are in life, and what your relationship is, and, and kind of a celebration of your commitment to each other, and also a celebration of your friends and your family. And for us, our day was just amazing. Seriously, from the moment I woke up in the morning, you know, which was literally at five thirty in the morning, to one thirty the next morning when we finally went to bed, just every moment of my day was absolutely fantastic. It was, you know, you hope it's going to be something, and uh, it was even more than that. And and one thing it really reinforced to me is how lucky Joe and I are to have such amazing friends and family in our lives like we've got just the best friends and family and and there's something to be said about having a great set of friends and family in your life isn't there there's there's something about that really i don't know if you've got great friends in your life there's you know like one thing i said in my speech is that we are lucky because we know we are loved and that's that's something that you know we live in this world nowadays where so many people struggle innerly with this kind of Am I loved? And, you know, in my world and the people around us, we know that there is a love for the thing that we bring to their world and what we give back to them, you know, the way we look at our friends, how we love them as well. And I don't know, there's just something that's really reassuring and comforting and uh, that's that's really valuable in life. And I, and I think maybe, you know, this shows, it's kind of a reflection on my wedding day. It was also just amazing. And when we danced the night away, it was pretty phenomenal. But one of the things I, I think that was really fascinating as well was that, do you allow yourself to see that in your life? Because sometimes I find with work of my clients that they, they often feel, or at least the clients who talk, express loneliness in their life, is that they express this kind of loneliness and this struggle that they have because they feel alone. But actually right in front of them are, are a group of people who are more than willing to be there for those people at that time. But actually it's it's the person who's feeling a little bit lonely doesn't open up to what's right in front of them in that moment. And sometimes, you know, and, and often it's because we're embarrassed or because we're afraid of rejection or all these other things that hold us back from actually reaching out for the thing that's going to remove the struggle and the thing is often those people who are right there in front of us who actually want to be good friends you know there's you know like joe and i are fortunate that we have great friends and we kind of know that in our deep moments actually it was quite funny because after the after our wedding we went away for a couple of days and in christchurch the place i live in we had these massive fires and like massive fires kind of scary fires and they got pretty close to our house and joe and i were in a place called tikapo for our honeymoon for a few days and in this moment 
so many people contacted us and said, look, we know you're not there, but we can work around to your house and so on and so on. And it was just kind of like in our time of need, our friends showed how they would be for us. Now, that's quite a practical way of showing it, isn't it? You know, that I can go pick up your things or I can, you know, get your cat and stuff like that. And we, we often would accept that kind of support. You know, luckily, Joe and I, we, my parents were able to pick up some things and we did come home earlier from our honeymoon. But at the end of the day, our friends would have been there for us. And we're quite happy to accept that kind of support. You know, if you're in a place in your life, you know, where you, maybe you know you are a little bit lonely and something physical like your house burning down was going to happen, you probably would accept this practical support of those around you because it seems so obvious to take on that support. But then when it comes to an emotional support, for some reason it's, it's something that a lot of people are afraid to move towards, even though there are people who would put their hands up and be there for you. And um, I, I suppose if you are someone who's listening to this today, it's maybe something for you to think about within yourself is, what, how do I become better at just kind of allowing myself to see that I have this group of people around me who, who do want to lift me up in my world and do want to support me and do want to be there for me. So I'm going totally off tangent. You know, this podcast is terrible. The Bevan James Isles show is Bevan James Isles randomness. And I've got to say, today it's going to be random because I've, I've kind of, I was meant to be an interview show today, but obviously with the wedding that wasn't going to happen. So I've, I'm very much going, I've had a few thoughts in my head over the last couple of weeks that I've just been kind of sitting on and admittedly a lot of these thoughts have probably come through this show in the last period of time. There's probably been some, uh, you know, there's been little inklings of these things coming through but as I was kind of, you know, I was away from work and, you know, we had a couple of days in Tekapo so I had a few moments just to kind of do some runs and and I love running because it's almost like thinking time, like I, I put my music on you know, some awesome music. I'm loving the Hamilton soundtrack right now. So the Hamilton soundtrack, I'll run in some beautiful location and the emotional state I go into allows me to experience deeper thinking. And sometimes when you go to that deeper thinking state, you just have these moments where, I don't know, questions, epiphany, um, maybe intelligence comes through to you at that moment. And and so as I kind of sat down to think about today's show, there's a couple of points that I had been sitting in recently that I thought to myself, I, I think there's a probably a deeper level that I can go to with this. So today, today in the main part of today's show, I'm going to have two kind of points that I'm going to really address. Um, and yeah, yeah, hopefully you guys will get a lot of value out of it. Now you may notice that I'm sounding a little bit funny today. And the reason that is because on Saturday, I was in a place called Wanaka, which is Seriously, one of the most beautiful places in the whole wide world. It's in the kind of central South Island or lower central South Island, uh, close to a place called Queenstown, which is quite a famous tourism spot in New Zealand. And they have a race called Challenge Wanaka, which is an iron distance race. So basically, myself and a guy called Mark Watson, we were the commentators for the race. And we started at six, basically six in the morning, and we went through to pretty much midnight. So just talking and yelling and screaming at people in a, in a positive way. And it was such, it's such a wicked day because it's such a, a kind of a privilege to be a part of the experience for the athletes and to try to create energy and, and an experience for the crowd. But the downfall of doing that for like 17, oh, how long was I out there? Nearly 18 hours is um, you do lose your voice. And so I'm sounding like I've either a really bad smoker or, you know, I've been, I've been screaming at a concert for too long. So today I am going to sound a little bit funny, but that's okay. Anyway, I'm going to get into the main gist of today's show. But before I do, I want to mention a few of the patrons. 
And we have a couple new bus, uh, not buskers, although you're going to find out why I said that in a second, a couple new patrons to the show this month. And I've just got to say thank you very much to those people who are patrons. Patrons of the show really helps me in what I'm doing. And we have thousands of listeners of people who listen to the Bevan and James Owl show and I've got 50 people who are patrons so you 50 people you absolutely rock because you really are a big part of what I'm doing now two people who have become patrons this month is one is called Dune Kubi and Dune Kubi when I heard Kubi I just thought of a cube so I'm going to call you the cool cube the cool cube Kubi Dean the cool cube Kubi it's almost like try to say that as fast as you can in 10 seconds the cool cube Kubi it's a challenge for anyone who's now in your life. And then the next one is Rachel DeBusk. Now, when I heard DeBusk, I thought of a busker, you know, DeBusk. And I, and I did a Google search for the world's most famous buskers, and nothing really came up. And so then I found the link that said the best songs to play as a busker to bring the money in. And uh, some of them include uh, High and Dry by Radiohead, which I was, I was slightly surprised by. Trumpets by Jason Durello. Um... That's What Makes You Beautiful by One Direction. Oh yeah, that, that one always goes off. But one of the songs was Walking on Sunshine. And Walking on Sunshine, Walking on Sunshine, that's obviously such a great song. And when I thought of that, I thought, Rachel, your nickname is Rachel, Walking on Sunshine, DeBusk. So these guys are patrons of the show. We've also got Complete Grip, and that's Josh Ellis. We've got uh, Sabrina Pick, the number one. We've got Ruth New Stub on Fire and George Street. And these are all patrons of the show. If you want to become a patron of the show, just go to bevanjamesowers.com and it's all very obvious on there and it helps me do what I do. Anyway, I'm going to get straight into the show and let's put some music on and let's get into it. One of my go-to subjects over the last period of time have has been food. It's not really my go-to subject, to be honest. I, if you've listened to this show for a long time, you you know that I never really talk about food. Uh, a, I'm not a nutritionist. Um, B, it's an area that even some of the wisest people in the world in this area don't seem to be able to agree on. And C, I've always wanted to make my money from movement. It's funny, you know, the fitness industry is a funny industry because it's a tough industry to make money in. I've got to be really honest. Most people in the fitness industry struggle to make money. They, You know, you get a really cool life, but, you know, you don't see many people driving Ferraris who come from the fitness industry. And uh, and, and it's kind of maybe the compromise you make because you, can, you get a very fulfilling career, but maybe financially you don't. And often, unfortunately, a lot of people in the fitness industry end up looking at supplementation as a way to kind of make their money. Well, I don't know if it's unfortunate, but it's it's just not my thing. And I often get, I, you know, I've got a big audience and um, and I think my audience have credibility for what I, I believe in and what I promote. And so I do get a lot of people asking me to join up for some kind of network marketing products. And and. A, I kind of don't necessarily believe in network marketing. Um, oh no, it's not that I don't believe in network marketing. I don't believe in the promise that network marketing often sells. You can make money out of network marketing, but it is a full-time job that is going to be a lot of effort and it will take a lot of time to be successful in. Whereas network marketing products tend to sell themselves as an easy option to make a lot of money, which is just not the case. And so you get these people who jump into network marketing with the desire of making a lot of money quickly, and most of them are out of it pretty quickly. But in my industry, 
maybe because it is a, a, a lesser paying industry, it does tend to, network marketing businesses do tend to attract a lot of people. And so I get a lot of people approaching me saying, do you want to do this network marketing thing? And I, I just politely say it's not really my thing. Um, although John Oliver did do a very good clip on network marketing. If you're into John Oliver, I highly recommend you check that out. But anyway, <clears throat> so so food has never really been my area. And, and, and as I said before, I've kind of always seen it as my mission to get people moving and my career as a fitness professional I want to get people moving that's that's the thing I love the most now I understand to be a healthy person nutrition is a part of that experience of, of living a healthy life so is sleep so is energy management <clears throat> excuse me so is your stress releases so there's all these aspects that come into being a healthy person and you know but I see it of the jigsaw puzzle of that I'm trying to help people solve, it's that movement jigsaw puzzle. And so, you know, the online product that I've been talking about recently that we're hoping to release in maybe six weeks from now, um, it's about getting people moving. You know, it's, it's it's what I want to get people doing. So, but I have been talking a little bit around food recently in my world, but not necessarily in the way people the, you know, the foods that people should be choosing. The kind of thing I've been talking about is the whole idea of, I even made notes, listen to this, I never make notes for this show, but today I even made notes, I sat down, I kind of thought about things, and you know, one of the things I've seen in a triathlon world in the last period of time, there's been this real big discussion around the whole idea of the low carb, high fat athlete, and um, there seems to be a, a bit of a, a consciousness shift towards maybe using less carbohydrate in training, uh, probably still in racing you're going to use the carbohydrate but there's this kind of big discussion around that it's kind of shifting the direction of the traditional thinking in the sport and there's been this ongoing discussion it's interesting I've got this other podcast called I Am Talk and I Am Talk we often get nutritionist people or nutrition people on the show and we get a lot of uh, different people but those shows we get so much feedback on because people are so emotionally attached to their diets and one of the things that I've really been talking a lot about lately from my perspective is my attitude towards food is and I think I've talked about this on this show but my attitude towards food is eat a healthiest diet and then don't think about food and what I mean by that is that ultimately you know, most I imagine most people listening to this show understand what a healthy-ish diet means. It means you're probably going to eat more real foods more often. It probably means you're going to stay away from processed foods. They're going to be less in your diet. Uh, it probably means your you know volume of food is something you've established around how much you should eat because healthy is not just the food. Healthy is the amount that you're eating, uh, how often you're eating, and all of these types of things. But one of the things, and I remember a while ago, there's a program called My Kitchen Rules in Australia but it was also played in New Zealand and they had this lady on the show who proclaimed to be this real health nut proclaimed to be this extremely healthy person and for this reason she was quite a difficult character on the program because there was just so many foods she could not eat and while she was proclaiming to be this really healthy person now admittedly reality shows you can't really read too much on the real person because they're edited to look like something but at the same time she she came across as one of the most unhealthiest people you would ever meet. Now, sure, she wasn't overweight, and sure, she looked pretty healthy, and sure, she was eating a really good diet, but you could just tell she was obsessed with her food. She was You could tell that every moment, of, well, not every moment, but a lot of her life was thinking about food. And this, is, this, this kind of 
this kind of way of living is something that we're seeing a lot more for healthier people. And one of the things I often talk about, and again, as I said earlier in today's show, there's going to be crossover of topics I've talked about in the past because, you know, I've just talked about these things in the past. But one of my concerns in, in modern society is that the lower decile part of society, the, the poorer part of society, they lack to get good food. So, you know, if we said just, you know, just eat healthy and don't eat too much, well, a lot of these people, they do go for the cheaper option, which often means it doesn't help keep them healthy. Um, and they also may not have the education around what a healthy diet is. So one of the, as a society, one of the big problems we should be aiming to solve around nutrition is how do we make good nutrition accessible for these people and how do we educate them so they know what the right choices are. And then the flip side of this is then there's this kind of higher decile group of people who are, you know, I think I talked a few weeks ago on the show around this Vox article talking about how fitness in America right now is becoming a bit of an elite thing. <clears throat> how wealthy people are, are the ones, you know, fitness products are really trying to target the wealthier person and the, the price reflects that. Things like SoulCycle. SoulCycle, for example, you're paying $50 just to do a spin class and and, and ultimately it's just a spin class. But the problem when you have a product like SoulCycle is it's only really catering to a certain type of person, somebody who could afford a $50 you know, spin class. What's really interesting when you look deeper into the research around this is that the people who can afford a $50 gym class are the ones who are generally pretty healthy anyway. So it's creating this divide in how fitness is being applied to society in a way that's actually not good because the fit people are just getting fitter and maybe the people who need better facilities, um, better um, health professionals, fitness professionals around them, they are slowly losing those opportunities to have that in their life. But one of the things, so if we kind of look at, you know, the division between the the unfit or the low decile who maybe need better resource, as in better food choices and better education, and the fit person, well, often the fit person becomes obsessive around what they're eating. And the kind of discussion that I've been trying to promote recently around food, and again, food is not the area that I talk a lot about, but the discussion I've been really trying to have around is, I want to eat my diet, I want to have a healthy level of diet, I want to enjoy my diet, and then once that bit's finished, I want to get on with my life. And what I mean by that is that I like having my lunch. I, I want to stop and have my lunch every day. In my kind of habit of my day, I stop at about 11.30 every day and I make Joe and Maya's lunch. And it's a pretty healthy lunch, but within it I have two chocolate biscuits and, and I really enjoy my chocolate biscuits. But I want to have my lunch. And before my lunch, I don't want to think about my lunch. You know, other than if I'm going to prepare something new. But to be honest, my lunch is pretty much the same thing every day. So I tend to have a wrap, a healthy wrap, a piece of fruit, and, you know, a couple bits of chocolate biscuits. Now, on my day leading up to lunch, I really don't want to think about my lunch. I really don't want to be consumed by what that lunch means to me or or what I should eat or if am I eating the wrong thing. I, I just see that as a waste of my life. But also, after lunch, I don't want my lunch to consume me. I just want to have the experience of lunch, make my lunch, listen to an audiobook as I make my lunch, because that's what I do. Sit down with Jo for a couple of minutes, have a quick connection with her, as we do in our day. Enjoy my food, and, and really enjoy it. Like, I do have my chocolate biscuits every day, and I do enjoy them, I, I make sure I enjoy them. But then when lunch is finished, food is out of my head until the next time I'm going to get to a meal. And my concern, really, for a lot of people, 
is this whole idea of, sorry, I'm going to be making lots of throat sounds today, I'm sorry about that, but um, my concern for a lot of people is that they are getting consumed in that in-between time of when they're not eating. They are thinking about food a lot in their life. And, you know, once, for example, let's say I was someone who was obsessed with food in, in a way that was maybe like that person on My Kitchen Rules, in a way that was actually a little bit unhealthy. So I might have my breakfast, but then, you know, for the next four hours up until I have my lunch or five hours up until I have my lunch, I'm kind of thinking about, oh, what I should and shouldn't have today, or what's the wrong food, or judging food, or so on and so on. And then even after I eat my lunch, I, I think about this kind of what I ate, or did I eat too much, or I'm a legend because I ate this, and so on and so on. Now, this concept is something I'm, I'm, I'm trying to promote in my influence in the world, is this whole idea of eat a, a general healthy diet. You know, think of the, the you know, what you consider a general healthy diet. And, you know, now again, again, I don't talk about food as such, but, but you know, don't eat processed food, eat real food as much as possible, choose your volumes about the right amount, allow some good stuff in there as well and just enjoy it. But then ultimately, put your mind space onto other things in your life. And what this got me thinking about is I was kind of going for, I went for a beautiful run in a place called Tikapa up this big hill and I was thinking about this kind of concept of me not thinking about food um, and it kind of just got me thinking about what are the other areas of your life where you are wasting your thinking time? So the example I've given there is a really good example of just, you know, these people who obsess over food and they think they're being healthy because they're obsessing over food. But actually, the obsession over food is not a healthy thing. So while we can look at them and say they, they're presented in a healthy way, if you could look inside the head, if you're thinking about food for hours of your day outside of your meals, you know, other than food prep, I'm just not sure if that's a healthy way to be living your life. And then we, we start to kind of take a step back from this food example. And ultimately, I suppose, what I'm, I'm kind of trying to explore here today is this whole idea of my mind energy, my thinking time, my time in my day to be, you know, just where I'm in myself, my head. What are the other things that are taking me away from where I would rather my mind energy be going? So some areas that I identify that may be doing this, worrying. Worrying is a, is, is a massive area when we think about this. What is worrying? Now, worrying is, is obviously a different experience for everybody, but something that we can identify is often worry is just a repeat thought over and over again. And the repeat thought over and over again, it gets more and more emotionally driven to a point where it almost becomes quite consuming. So you might have something in your mind that you're, you're quite worried. Actually, I'll give you a really good example. So I had my wedding 10 days ago. Again, beautiful day, beautiful wife, beautiful wife, beautiful life team. So I had my wedding 10 days ago and pretty much Joe had done all the planning. Joe's a great planner and we kind of, you know, that was how we kind of plan to do the things of the wedding that Joe was going to kind of run that side of it and so there wasn't a lot for me to be too consumed about a because I didn't have a lot of the workload involved the wedding and b Joe's just really competent it was really nice actually the day before the wedding the Friday before the, the you know we we're getting married on the Saturday and we had a friend Joe's friend Lucy staying she was saying it's so nice the day before your wedding you guys are just so relaxed we we're just sitting around in the afternoon just you know having some drinks telling some stories because my, my wife's a legend and it's just because she planned it so well there wasn't much stress leading into it but the one thing I was concerned about was my speech and my speech is 
Look, I do a lot of public speaking. I do a lot of standing in front of people each week and talking. And my real dilemma came down to two things. When I do public speaking, I'm, I'm a very prepared speaker. And, and I often think of the comedian. Like, if you've ever seen a comedian, a, a comedian will have the ability to be able to tell a joke and you feel you're hearing the joke for a first time. And and actually, then once you've seen the comedian more than once, you realise actually they're kind of you know, telling the same jokes every night, but they do it in such a great way that it seems like it's the first time. And as a public speaker, you tend to have your jokes or your things that you use and that are very prepared, but you've practiced them so much, they just come across as you're almost discovering these things for the first time. And so as a public speaker, I'm kind of, I'm a little bit more formal, I'm a little bit more, I don't know, just a bit more on target. Whereas when, like for example, when I teach a class at the gym and I'm doing an introduction or doing a stretch and, and I often just talk and it's literally verbal diarrhea, but within that there's some entertainment and it's quite a funny thing. And so leading into my speech, I had this kind of dilemma. Do I go for a written speech where I've actually written things out and which in some ways can be quite effective because I, I tend to be able to kind of navigate the, the emotion of the experience a bit more. But at the same time, I'm not that funny when I'm in that place. And I, and I did want my wedding speech to have an aspect of humour to it. And uh, and so that was my worry. And the night before, that was, you know, what kind of speech do I do? And because I was worried about it, I wasn't even really doing the prep because I was in this kind of place where if I'm going to be spontaneous, I probably just need to know a couple of key points, write them down and just go with that. Or if I'm going to write it, I need to spend a bit of time writing this speech out. And I have to admit, I did spend a bit of time writing my speech out, but... Um, but even the night before, I just I just couldn't determine which, which option I'm going to go for. Was I going to go for the written speech? Or was I going to go for like a bullet point spontaneous speech? And I was worrying about it. And it was a really interesting experience for me to go through because I just couldn't let it go. Like I, 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 I had my stags through the night before and I went back to mum and dad's house and I spent a bit of time with my parents, which was quite nice because I stayed at their house before the wedding. And, and as I was sitting there, you know, I went to bed maybe at 10 o'clock, you know, and, and, and I was just kind of sitting in bed and I did not go to sleep till 1 o'clock. And the reason I didn't go to sleep was because I was worrying. I was worrying about what I was going to do with my speech. I, I wasn't worried about the wedding. I knew I knew age I was going to say yes. And I knew, generally speaking, it was going to be a pretty great day. But my speech I was worrying about. And reflecting upon it right now, it's really fascinating to think about what I was going through. I was, I was seeing how it could go wrong. I was, um, you know, it's that kind of, I was focusing on all the wrong things. And basically I got to sleep maybe three hours later and just because I was so tired, because emotionally I couldn't let this thing go. And it was like I was push, pushing rewind, play, rewind, play in my head around my thought pattern. And that was a real good example of how that three hours, now ultimately in that moment I would have rather just had sleep, I would have rather gone to sleep at 10.30 and get the extra couple of hours sleep, but at the same time, really, if we were to put that kind of worry in my day, let's say that worry hit me at one o'clock, well, then that next three hours, again, that's taken me away from my good mind space. So worry is a really good example of an energy that's almost wasteful in my life. Another way to think about this is, is how do you, when you see people negatively in your life, like often when people interact with us negatively, they can own us. You know, it's funny, I had an interesting experience the other day with a friend of mine here. Another person came up to him and made this comment, which was a bit of a well, it was a bit of a dick comment, I'm gonna say. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm not sure if I can say dick on the show, but I just did. And this person made a bit of a dick comment, and you could tell it was really kind of consuming my friend. And at, at the same time, you could understand why it would be consuming my friend. 
But then at the same time, I was kind of thinking, well, it's just a waste of your life, mate. Don't worry about them. But I wasn't the person in that place. But often people can negatively affect us or even how we perceive them will negatively affect us. Another area where this is a really big thing is when we don't feel like we're enough. When we don't feel like we are enough. This is a really interesting area where we're, we're insecure in an area of our lives. Then this can be a really consuming part of our mind space in our life. That all we're thinking about is why we are not good enough. So as you can see, what I'm talking about here today is this kind of idea of what occupies your mind space. And the examples I've given is, is this example of thinking about food when I'm not eating food. Now that might not be food for you, it might be another area of your life. Worrying, that kind of you know repeat thought pattern that it grows emotionally. When somebody else owns your energy because of, of, of an action they've taken or, or when you look at other people in a way that comes from your own insecurity and it ends up owning you or, or when you're not enough. Now those examples are ones that I've just kind of put together today but I'm sure as you sit and reflect upon what I'm talking about today you could probably come up with some examples of how it affects you that I haven't identified. So if we can kind of understand this whole idea of mind space how much time do you have in your day for mind space? And then I suppose the next thing to think about is how much are you spending in this time? So if the, the example, if I go back to my wedding example, well, and to be honest, it was more than that three hours before I went to sleep from that 10 to 1 o'clock. I was thinking about this probably for three or four days leading up to. Now, just so you know, I, I actually went with the spontaneous approach and um, my speech went down pretty well, I think. So so it was definitely the way to do it. Um, but at the same time, I, I basically sat in that. So I probably spent, in the three or four days leading up to the wedding, I probably spent 10 hours thinking about this. I spent 10 hours thinking about my wedding speech now on top of that I did some work so I did write I spent a couple of hours actually writing my speech or writing I did two things I wrote a speech and then wrote the kind of key points if I was going to be spontaneous so I did spend a couple of hours doing that but outside of doing the work for the speech I spent 10 hours doing that now if you think of the areas that I've talked about today maybe it's worry maybe it's how people in, impact on you yeah that was my wedding ring hitting the table <laughs> I'm not used to wearing a ring yet but it's the table sometimes um, but it might be you know this negativity it might be you're not feeling that you're good enough it might be some of the area that you've identified as i've talked about this and it's a really good idea to just think about how much time are you spending in this space in your life like i've just identified that leading up to my wedding i spent 10 hours worrying about this speech what's that for you if you were to think of a whole week and we were to identify maybe, you know, there's not just one, you might be a warrior who also is really concerned with food, or you you know, you might be have A, B, and C in these different areas. And so one thing to really think about is just to identify what's the, the cost of this on your life. So first of all, how much time are you spending there? And then the second thing to really think about is is what is the cost of this? What is the cost? And if, if I'm going to use the example of me, what was what was the cost of me losing that 10 hours of worrying about my speech? And, and ultimately what I like to think about is this kind of, what is the lost opportunity? You know, like it's really funny, isn't it? If we use the money analogy, money is, well money is what it is, but it can be something that can give you opportunity. So let's say I gave you $100 right now. Now, when you have that $100, you have a lot of choices to do with that $100. And some of those things can be wasteful. 
some of those things can be valuable and some of those things, you know, there's many kind of outcomes you can get from that money. But when you make a choice, you also have a lost opportunity. So when I decide to spend my money here, I'm losing the opportunity to spend that money there, somewhere else, you know. Now, ultimately, I suppose what we're trying to do with our money is we're trying to get better and better at making choices that are moving us, making the better choice so that the opportunity that we're turning down is not as appealing as the one we are you know, moving towards. And when I think about that 10 hours which I sat just sitting in this speech, what was the lost opportunity me, opportunity for me by being consumed and worrying about my speech? Well, there were probably a few, few things. I probably wasn't as connected to Joe because I was thinking about this. I probably um, didn't do very good work because I would have been distracted. I probably didn't um, relax as much which probably meant I didn't sleep as well. There was potential that my wedding day could have been a tired day. Luckily it wasn't, but, but you know, so there's kind of this cost to me being in the space where my worrying was consuming me. So then, then I suppose the thing I want to move you towards is, what is the most powerful use of this space? So if we can understand that there's these things in my life that cost my inner mind space, and ultimately, I want to have an understanding of how much I sit in the space. And then the second thing I want to think about is, what's the cost of me spending time in this place? But then ultimately, what would be better use of my time? What would be better use of my time? And this is probably, you know, like for someone who spends their life in a place where they are upset or dissatisfied or, you know, beating themselves up. If you didn't have that in your life, where would you use that time that you're currently spending, the 10 hours I worried about my speech, the time you spend about thinking about food, what opportunity would you have with that time? I really love this idea. And it's, it's something I've been working on within myself in the last period of my life. But it's, you know, of the areas, you know, if you were to, if I, if I were to have a magic pill, which I don't have, but if I would have a magic pill and I would say to you, all these areas that are consuming you in time and in and, and, and wasteful ways, like me worrying about food between my wheels is wasteful use of my energy. For me to be consumed for 10 hours about my speech when I should have just made a decision, you know what, you know, spontaneous is the way to go, just do it. That, that 10 hours is a waste of my life. For me to worry about you know, someone who's just the bad energy in my life, it's just a waste of my life. So, if, if I were to give you, flick a switch, and I were to flick that switch tomorrow, and all of those things were gone, what opportunity would that allow you to have in your life with that thinking time? It's one of the most powerful things I see with my clients when you get to this place where they are just, you know, they've made, the, the work they've done on themselves has, has worked. And it's such an exciting moment because ultimately what you do is you remove the layers that were holding. It's almost like they're walking through trudging kind of mud. And while they're walking through trudging mud, they've got this kind of this pack of weight on their shoulders. And as, as they kind of work on themselves and they progress, this weight just disappears. And suddenly, instead of having their head looking at the ground mud, they look up and they have this opportunity to see what's in front of them. And when they see this opportunity in front of them, they, they, they then kind of go, wow, look what I can now create. Because this weight and this heaviness in my feet has disappeared. And now I'm free to explore what this means for me. And I always love that. I love that when I get to that client moment with my client when they've overcome their big stuff. And it's like, okay, well, well, now you're in this space where the energy that you used to be so consumed by doesn't own you anymore. What are you going to create with your life? 
And that's such an exciting question, and, and that's, that's a really cool place to be. And I suppose that's what I'm saying about this whole idea of flicking the switch. If you were to identify those areas where you know you are wasting your energy, and they were to be gone tomorrow, where would you put your energy? Where would you use your time in your life? It's a really interesting question to think about, isn't it? Where would you, you know, if, if, if you weren't worrying, if you were free just to absorb and choose where you're going to choose your thinking time and the space you're going to sit in your world, what would you want that to be? Now, I know today, earlier on the show, I kind of said that I'm going to be touching on concepts I've talked about in the past. And if you've listened to the show, in some ways, I've, I've probably touched on all of these aspects before. But I suppose the, the next thing I, I want to really start thinking about is how do you practice being in that place? You may remember I, I interviewed Anders Ericsson a few months ago. It was August last year, I think it was. And Anders Ericsson is a guy who does the 10,000 hours. And, and I loved I loved my interview of Anders. And he's, he was just such a passionate man and just such a wise man. And it was really interesting in our interview. And I, and I just, one thing we talked about, because all his work is how do you become great, really, this idea of peak. And... Um, it was all very practical stuff. And one thing I just talked to him about was, do you think this kind of philosophy around where I put my energy to get better in life, do you think that could work with mind strategies? And, and he kind of said, well, it's not an area I've researched. And that's the difference between someone like me and Anderson as I kind of throw ideas out there and they're always going to go, where's the research? <laughs> and so, um, but Anderson... You know, he seemed to be a little bit open to this idea of, well, it's definitely worth thinking about. And... This is where I'm trying to work on in myself right now, is that if I see that there's wasteful use of my mind space in my life, and if I can shut that off, then where would I want to put my energy? What would be the ultimate use of my time in my day? What would be the ultimate use of your time in your day? Think about that. And then when you think about what would be the ultimate use of my time in my day, what kind of thinking and what kind of state should I be aiming to practice being in in my life? Because it's one thing to say I need to get better at learning how to worry or, or, or removing worry from my life. Or I need to get better at, at just putting food in the right place, you know, to actually have a healthy perspective where I make healthy choices and then I move on with my life. But where are you aiming for once you remove those things from your life? Now, where are you aiming for? And that's, if we can understand that, then what we can say is, well, how do I practice being in that place? I'm kind of thinking about myself as I talk about this. So for me, where am I aiming for when I'm in this place? Well, for me, my ultimate mind space is when I'm, when I'm educating myself. Like, it's interesting. I've been doing some education in the last year, and, and I love it. I, I've... I feel fulfilled, I feel challenged. So a good use of my mind space is to be challenged. Good use of my mind space is to, to to kind of have the energy to think about how I'm treating people. A good use of my mind space is to to uh, to be creative in, in ways that are risky, in ways that are uh, vulnerable, in ways that allow me to deepen my understanding of self. You know, a good use of my mind space is to do focused work. Like I love doing focused work. So all of these kind of things, are, they are really good use of my mind space. And if I can identify, or if you can identify, okay, well, 
we want to remove wasteful use of mind space. We want to reduce the time there, and ultimately we want to develop strategies that help us catch awareness around this, and then help us redirect ourselves towards. But I suppose what I'm saying here is, you need to understand what the towards is. So what's the towards mind space that you're going to go to? So if we're going to go back a few steps, we're going to say, okay, well, you are going to lose worry from your life. And you are going to lose, you know, when people negatively impact you, you're not going to let them own you for the next three days. Then with that, you get an opportunity to then you allow your mind to be in a better space. But what's their ultimate space for you? Now, yours will be different to mine because we are all different. What's going to fill your cup will be different to mine. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you what that should be for you because it's, it's not my job. It's, it's your job to understand this. And then ultimately what we should be doing is learning a life, how we spend less time in the wasteful energy and more time in the energy that is fulfilling us in the way that is right for us. And if we're looking at this in, in the practical kind of Anders Ericsson kind of way, how do you practice this? And, you know, if I'm going to kind of offer some steps, the first thing is to learn when I'm doing wasteful energy. Like, when are you doing wasteful energy? And, and that awareness around when I'm doing this. So, you know, that, that when I'm sitting that kind of worry around my speech for 10 hours, I needed to catch that earlier. And you know what? I'm sitting here telling you guys all about this. So it's not something ever, you know I've mastered, but it's something I'm definitely in my mind right now. But if I caught that on the on the Wednesday before when I knew it was a problem and really just made a decision, you know what, Bev, trust yourself. Because ultimately what it was, I didn't trust myself. I knew spontaneous was the way to go, but there was a lack of trust in myself in that moment. And all I needed to say to myself was, you know what, Bev, you stand in front of people every day, in the moment, you always seem to be able to pull something out of your butt that works. So trust yourself. And now let's get back to moving on to educating yourself, creating, connecting, growing and so on and so on so the awareness that i'm there now for some people you may not have the tools to move away from those areas so you may not have the tools yet to be able to move away from a negative influence or you may not have the tools to be able to remove away from worry but if that's the case if you have awareness then what you're trying to do is learn how i move through these things so for example if you're a warrior you know, not, not a warrior as in a, a fighter, a battler, but a warrior as in you know you are too consumed by worry and it's a waste of energy in your life. Well, when you worry and you've identified I'm in this place where I'm being wasteful with my mind, you go to that strategic thinking. Okay, well, I need to practice some strategies to get me out of this. You might discover just spending some time writing. You might discover ringing a friend. You might discover going for a walk. You might discover... I don't know. But what really what you want to think about is learning the ways through this. Learning the ways through this. Now you may not know it the first time, but the more time you allow yourself to catch it with the awareness and then explore tools. And you'll over time, if you're willing to have this kind of exploratory kind of approach to it, then what you'll find is you'll discover tools that work really well for you. And you'll also discover ones that are a bit of a waste of time for you. And that's really how you will want to approach this. So you're just learning how I remove myself from worry. But then, once you've removed yourself from worry, it's not just say, hey, good stuff, we got rid of the worry. It's to go, now what's the most powerful use of my energy? So now how do I learn to move towards, let's just say it's education, or let's just say it's a higher level of relaxation. So how do I move towards a higher level of relaxation right now that I've got the freedom and the opportunity to use this time wisely? Then, 
you want to practice. You want to practice and practice and practice. And over time, if we're going to look at it like a statistician, statistician, I should say, and we're going to say that ultimately that time that you're wasting in your life on just things that just aren't, aren't growing you, aren't empowering you, aren't making your experience in this life better, it's listening. Now, it probably will never go. It's not, I'm, I'm going to worry at stages in the future. But I'm going to worry a lot less. <clears throat> and that's, you know, and if I'm not worrying as much as that, and then I can see the mind space I allow myself to have, this opportunity to create my ultimate kind of experience of being, well, that's going to be a pretty cool life, isn't it? And if you reflect upon yourself right now, as I'm kind of talking about this to you, and if I were to say, kind of take you right back to start and say, I'm going to throw some big questions at you. What is your area? Or what are your areas? How much time are you spending in those areas in your life? And, and when you think about how much time you're spending in those areas in your life, what, what's, the, what's the opportunity cost to you? What, what's the, what's the, where's it taking you in your life? If you were to remove that time, if you had that switch to lose that time, and then you were free of that, where would you then want to use that energy in the most powerful way, the most powerful, impactful way on your life and your world? And then to really think about, well, what would be the tools I need to develop to remove myself away from the wasteful time? And then what are the tools I need to develop to be able to put myself in the powerful time? Because that's another important part of it. You know, the one thing I'm learning in my kind of getting close to 40 years of my life is that you know I am learning how to live my life in a much more fulfilling way. And for example, I've talked about it this recently on this podcast, is that I, I'm experiencing a higher level of focus, and, I, and I'm really enjoying this higher level of focus. But it's just tools that keep me there. Like this morning I got up and I read my kind of Bevan book, and, and, I, and I visualized my day. Then I got home, I, I had a couple of hours of training, spent a bit of time with Joe, got home, and the first thing I did is I wrote my list of what I need to achieve today. I've been ticking off my objectives as day goes by. So, so I'm feeling really focused today. But I'm just using the tools that help me get there. So it's not just learning the tools that move me away from the wasteful energy. It's learning the tools that help me get better in the powerful energy as well. Now in some areas of my life, I'm pretty good. When it comes to sitting down and working, I'm pretty good at this focus stuff now. When it comes to being creative on the piano, I'm not quite there yet. So I'm still developing tools there. But the better I get at this, the more I practice it, the more I sit in that place. The thing I find most rewarding is... When I do this stuff well, I just feel so alive. Like I really do. I feel so alive. And I'm sure, some people will probably listen to this and I'm just, I'm preaching to the choir. You're already there. And I'm sure if, if you're that person, you know what I'm talking about. But for those who aren't, can you imagine what it would be like? Can you imagine what you're going to feel like that day when you just, the use of your mind space is, is for all the right reasons for you? Like what's that day going to be like? What are you going to feel like? How are you going to talk to yourself? What is that self-talk going to be? How are you going to see yourself? That's going to be pretty powerful stuff, isn't it? So if you can practice the moving away from tools and then practice the moving towards tools and in your energy, do you think you have a much more powerful life? Do you think you're going to enjoy your experience? Do you think those around you are going to have a better version of you to experience in their world? It's pretty powerful stuff. So I suppose my challenge to you is to, is to work really hard on this because I believe that if you do your there's a much higher chance you're going to be 
that better version of yourself. I normally wrap it up there, but I'm, 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 I'm actually not going to today. Oh, no, you know what? I'm going to put some music on, and there's another quick subject I want to go to at the other side of this. So, key points. Where's your mind space? Are you wasting it in things that ultimately aren't that important? How do you learn that you're there, and then develop tools to move you away from it? But then not just move you away from it, then point that direction towards something that's really exciting, a really good use of that energy, and develop those tools. Then from there, do the work. If you do, it's pretty powerful stuff. So I'm going to be back. I'm going to put some music on. And then I'm going to talk about something else just for a second. Here we go. That was, that was my quick music. I'm <laughs> just, uh, just one thing. I, at the end of last, the last show I did, I kind of, I, you know, what, the one thing I've been talking about recently is this kind of idea of, I've got my notes here. I told you I did notes today. And there's my ring. See that? <laughs> I'm sure it's really annoying for you guys. Sorry. Um, so one thing I, I was talking about at the end of the last show was this whole idea of, you know, the one thing I've discovered more and more is the more you allow people to be themselves, the more that seems to be where happiness is. Is, you know, for, with my clients, you know, I did this, I did this, um, the commentator work that I've done today, you know, the reason I've got the sore voice today. And at the end of the night, it's two hours ago, it's a long day, and I managed to get the crowd up and dancing, which is in a strange way is a weird thing to do because you can't imagine, you know, it's a crowd watching a sporting event. And I managed to get everyone, or not everyone, but a lot of the people into the middle and dancing. Now, I can't take much responsibility for it. All I did is I, I opened the gates, I put the music on, I said, come on in and do it. But there was something about just letting people have permission to do this that allowed a few of the extroverts to get undanced. And then suddenly, like, half the crowd was in the middle of this kind of little stadium and dancing. It was it was pretty awesome. And even the people on the sideline got them clapping and having a good time. Now, I'm sure some people probably thought I was a real dork in that moment. But there was something about just allowing the crowd to, to go to a place that they wanted to enjoy. And at the end of the last show, I kind of said to you, I, I challenge you to be a person in other people's lives who allows them to come out, who allow, not to come out, but to be themselves. And I kind of just threw that at you and then kind of said goodbye. And, and it's a deeper area I want you to go. And I want, I want to challenge you in this kind of episode to really think about this. And what I'm talking about here is this whole idea of when you interact with others, how can you be a person who gives people permission to be free to be themselves. How can you be a person who gives people permission to be free to be themselves? So it's a, it's a, such an interesting question to contemplate. My experience in life is teaching me the more you allow people to be free, it seems to be that the happier that they are. And a lot of people in this world don't even really even know themselves because they've protected the world from, or themselves from, being free because of the fear of what the world will say with that but you know ultimately again my experience is teaching me this so I, I'm thinking about this all myself myself now is, is how do I interact with people in a way that allows it to come out even more and I want you to challenge yourself to do this so what I want you to think about is in your interactions and you can choose a person or you can just choose people in your world I want you to just kind of think about how I am going to interact with these people over the next period of time that's going to allow them to be free I suppose some really good things to think about is not putting your own context on it. So not, you know, what I think is free or what I think is being me, the real me, is not necessarily what you think is being the real you. So 
just because I believe, you know, when I'm free, I am this. It doesn't mean that when somebody else is free, they are that. It's, it's, again, the thing you're looking for is what makes them feel totally free. Okay, so you probably need to, to kind of just allow probably the open door process this process of letting people just kind of go there so I just want you to really kind of think about that and think maybe choose one or two people in your life and contemplate how you're going to interact with them and and kind of teach it like you know I love this idea of it's just all learning it's just all you know so you're going to try stuff and it might work it might not work but really just think about how I interact with them in ways that allows them to feel free and then maybe one thing for you to think about as well is how can I interact with others in a way that allows me to be free? How do I interact with others in ways that allows me to be free? And, I, and I, I'll be, I wouldn't be surprised if you discover that when you open up others' worlds to allowing them to be free, you're going to feel a lot more free yourself. So while this is kind of a, a bit of an altruistic project that I'm doing here, I wouldn't be surprised if actually it's it's kind of self-fulfilling at the same time. So that's my little project. I kind of touched on it at the end of last show, but I want to dig a little bit deeper. So let me know how you go. Flick me an email, and, and we'll kind of get into that. Um, that's going to be pretty much today's show. I have to say, my online product is within six weeks ready. So I'm not going to talk about it yet, but it's basically going to be a training program for beginner exercises. Um, you know, my market, I'm, I really want to hit the beginner exercise. I believe in movement is my goal, and I want to get as many people moving as possible. Pretty excited. We've put a, I've spent eight months on it. You've probably heard me talk about it on the show for like eight months now. I've spent hours and hours. I'm really proud of the product we've created. I've, I've tried to do something great. And, and I don't know if it's great. I'm not the one to judge it, but I'm, I'm, I believe that what I've created is something that can have a big impact on those who need it. And so I'm going to let you know more about that in the next few episodes because I, I want you to help me spread the word. And maybe if you're someone listening to the show who feels you need the product, you'll hear more about that later. But I'm pretty excited because we're, get, we're getting close. And it's, it's been a big project. Like, man, we've put some yards into this financially, resource, time, mind. Um, but I'm pretty proud of it. Got to say a big thank you to all the patrons of the show. If you are a patron of the show, just check out. Uh, or you are a rock star. There's no denying it. And if you aren't, you can go to bevanjamesiles.com. And I'm pretty much going to say that's it because my battery on my recording device is about to run out. I'll see you in a couple of weeks. I will have an interview for you in a couple of weeks. And outside of that, you guys absolutely rock. So thank you for your time. You have a wonderful couple of weeks. And practice that mind space, eh? I'll see you soon.